Mindfulness Mode, Episode 30. The heart is the master and regulates happiness and sadness. Its food is bitterness. The lungs' food is spiciness, and they regulate joy and grief. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for the great reviews on iTunes. I'm going to read one by All Me Now. All Me Now said, great show, great information, and a solid podcast. Well worth a listen. Hey, Mindful Tribe, you could really help us out here just by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show. So three things, subscribing first, that helps us. Rating and reviewing, you know what it does? It helps more people find our show, and that helps so that we can continue producing it for you every week twice. Thanks, Mindful Tribe. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Kara Stricker on the line today. Hey, Kara, are you in mindfulness mode? Right here, right now. Perfect. Kara Stricker created her OMA business from a simple desire to feel more happiness. With a $100 check, she walked away from her studies in college. Thousands of chocolate recipes later, she did find happiness living in her heart. Incorporating certain rare spices to the bitterness of the dark chocolate encouraged her to become present to her emotions and gently exercise them like muscles. Healing through mindfulness, that is, being present to what she's feeling without the judgment, it really boils down to accepting oneself, being yourself. Kara says she simply allows herself to love what I love. Many wonderful things began to change in her life, including breaking through her writer's block and meeting her husband, Dave. So, Kara, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Tell Mindful Tribe how you got started in this chocolate business. Oh, gosh. I was uh, a senior in college, and I was going back for a second career, and I found myself not wanting to graduate with what I had majored in, and totally out of my tree over this realization, and it was through a friend who encouraged me to take a moment to listen to my heart, and he said, I don't think your heart really wants to continue on this path. And at the time, my mind was just jabbering, jabbering, jabbering. You can't quit. What are you going to do? And so I said, well, I just don't know what I'm going to do. If I, what, what would I focus on? And he said, well, why don't you focus on something that makes you happy? And I said, what would that be? <laughs> we both started laughing. And he said, well, what about chocolate? And my response was, well, doesn't that make everyone happy? Now, this friend knew me, and he knew that I did indeed love chocolate, and he encouraged me to um, take a quarter off and just start playing around with uh, making chocolate and just discovering the world of chocolate making and blends. He wrote me a check for $100, and I thought it was so crazy. I did. I thought, well, I'll just, it was spring break, I'll just do this during spring break. And then I took the quarter off. And that led into a year. And that started me on my path of mindfulness. So, Carol, when was that? How long ago? That was 10 years ago. Oh, man. And it sounds like you've never looked back. 
Well, oh gosh, I, I certainly have, but when you provide uh, no escape exits uh, and you just dive in, um, there is really no going back. Tell us, Kara, how mindfulness, you said that's where mindfulness started, but tell us how and why it started at that point. Well, as I was making the chocolate blends, um, I was approaching it from a very different um, perspective than a typical chocolate maker might, which would be um, in the world of chocolate, it's all about gastronomy, the flavor, the notes, the nice snap, the nice sheen. I, however, wanted to do it from a place of what am I feeling as I'm making this? If I'm feeling frustrated or I'm worrying about the future, that's what I first wanted to tap into. And because I wanted to feel more happiness in my life when I was first making blends, my only goal was to, can I maintain this feeling of happiness? So I started playing around the spices and chocolate to see if I could maintain that feeling and then when I'd eat the blend, if that could again re-trigger that feeling in me to then feel and then practice more when I was away from eating chocolate. And that took, that was about a six year process of working it kind of from both ends. Um, having the spices and the bitterness and the chocolate trigger something in me that um, it's like music. You know, when you hear a song, you immediately feel something when you hear it. Yes. That's how the spices and the bitterness and the chocolate works. On the other hand, once you feel it, what do you do with that feeling? And to me, that's where the mindfulness was really powerful. Because once I could become present with it, then I could become present with the, my whole surrounding outside of making chocolate. And then it's like, what am I going to do in the situation? What am I going to do when something's not going right? Can I re-trigger that feeling? And then how can I share that? Well, this is absolutely fascinating. Now, have you always been in touch with your emotions the way you describe this way? Is that always, even as a child? Yes. Um, I come from a, a highly um, Italian family, so it's all about emotions and moods. Um, in my 20s, um, is, early 20s is when I really dove into uh, poetry, and there's a certain type of mindfulness that's in poetry that I also feel is in chocolate, intuitively or naturally. Um, it's when it was in my early 30s is when I could really, um, I would say, be present with all of my emotions, both the good feeling ones and the not good feeling ones, and then bring more of that love and compassion uh, by being mindful that more of that love and compassion arose uh, for the healing to occur. Um, I see. If that makes sense, you know, when you're not feeling good or you're really wound up in an emotion, um, uh, my typical response is to kind of squirm away from it, not to be present with it. So that mindfulness really helped me to provide that loving space and not run away from myself. Very interesting. So if you're feeling down or discouraged or a little bit off, do you think to yourself, oh, I will eat a certain kind of chocolate to improve the way I feel? Sure. Chocolate in general is, dark chocolate in general is going to be great because bitterness is the food for the heart. And in Eastern medicine, like Ayurvedic or Chinese medicine, when there's enough bitterness in a food, all of your heart cells 
will open up to release toxins. They'll also grab nutrients. But in Eastern philosophy and medicine, the heart um, is the master and regulates two emotions. It's sadness and it's happiness. So again, when there's that bitter food there, that gives the heart, the metaphoric heart, the emotional chance to uh, regulate or process some of those emotions that are stored physically in the organ. That's chocolate in general. Because Oma chocolate uses Ayurvedic spices, it actually is um, working with all the organs in the nervous system the way an acupuncture session would to help open up those meridian channels and really provide a way deeper and broader space for you to feel the emotion of happiness and then also apply it to that thing that's going on in your life. Now, Kara, you spoke about the meridian channels, and our Mindful Tribe listeners may not understand what that means. Can you describe what it does mean? Sure. So just like um, on Mother Earth, there's different roads and freeways, and there's different ways to getting to different cities and, and um, um, connecting information. Well, in our body, it's the same way. All the information that travels between our organs um, travels through different freeway systems. Some's through the blood system, some is through through the cells, but there's also an energetic freeway that runs through our body. And um, sometimes those energetic systems can be blocked. And by unblocking them, this is what acupuncture does, this is what Chinese blends does. Um, by unblocking those channels, it then allows for the physical body to do its function more efficiently and easily. Does that help? Yeah, that does help. So Kara, let's talk about your specific chocolate. My understanding is, even though I don't know a lot about it, my understanding is you have different spices in different chocolate that will, well, you explain it, different ones represent different emotions. Is that kind of it? Can you explain more about it? Yeah, so my three favorite emotions, I talked about being a moody Italian, and I finally have found some emotions that just really help me day in and day out um, deal with life in a way that brings me much more joy, more success, connects me more easily with people. And those are the emotions of happiness, freedom, and courage. And part of it is that once I start feeling that emotion, my natural response is that I want to share it with other people. You want to see other, I want to see other people do well. I think we all want to see other people do well. So each of these um, blends, they're named those moods because the spices actually help to um, create that emotion for you to feel. And to me, where the real power is, is that when you bring mindfulness into that feeling, then you can say, okay, I'm not feeling very good today. There's this that's going on or there's that that's going on. And, but I bet you if I felt a little more courage, I'd be willing to face it. Or maybe if I felt a little more courage, I could look at it with a new perspective. Um, or, for example, I have a freedom blend. And the busier that I get with my company, the more I'll catch myself with the thought of I don't have time. As soon as I hear that belief system popping up, I thought, oh, but that actually isn't true. I'll stop what I'm doing. I'll take a bite of the Ohm of Freedom. I'll set a timer on my um, phone 
for five or 10 minutes and I'll do one additional thing that makes me feel free. For me, that's writing poetry or um, sometimes I, I love the feeling of skipping or jumping jacks. So I'll do jumping jacks for five minutes. And it's, some, it's a way to help just increase that feeling. And then I can just move on in my day and I suddenly feel free. So it almost sounds like you're treating it as medicine. I'm not feeling very good right now, so I'm going to take some Oma chocolate. Is that right? Yeah, well, it is medicine, though to me it's it's more like art, which is way more powerful because you're like when I and then I, you know, I paint and I, I write as well. The thing that I love about the artist world is that it doesn't feel like medicine. It just feels fun. You're, and, and with medicine, sometimes we think ourselves as weak. But in art, I never think of myself as weak. I just think of, oh, I want to go into that world more. And suddenly you find yourself playing and doing things and, and this beautiful movement comes out of you that you never knew existed because you're willing to enter into that world. And so with these beautiful moods of almost blends, that's my intention is that once you feel that, you can move more in your world in a way that's just beautiful simply by you being present there. The way you describe it, it really sounds freeing, Kara. It just sounds like an amazing place to be. And it, it is, right? It is. Mindfulness um, is amazing because uh, there's so many times where I've looked on a moment um, and it didn't feel free. It didn't feel beautiful. And having the courage to, well, I'm going to approach it one more time with some mindfulness. Suddenly it just pops open. And what I thought I disliked, I suddenly became friends with and had compassion with, which is probably the most neatest thing ever. <laughs> Very cool. So what does mindfulness really mean to Kara Stricker? It means being present without the judgment. And when I see the judgment, don't judge the judgment. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, it's, 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 just, it's just the practice. There, there are areas in my life where it's harder to be present without the judgment. And the mindfulness brings more love to draw from. So if I felt like I failed, I thought, well, that's just how I feel like right now. That may not even be true. Do I want to return? I don't feel like that right now. I might ask myself a half a day later, yeah, I'd like to try that again. So it gives you that grace to keep on trying at it. And instead of feeling like I failed, feel like, oh, that was a lot funner than I thought it was. Or that was really interesting. Um, so it's a way to bring curiosity too, you know? Yes. Yes. Very good explanation. I really like that. Kara, have you ever had a time when you really struggled with the idea of mindfulness? Um, oh, sure. I'm thinking of personally, um, with some family history, um, to, let me back up here for a minute. Sure. I'm thinking of a saying, hurt people hurt people. And when I look at my own life and um, there are areas where I've felt a deep wound or hurt, 
and I've, as I've had to go back to, into those spaces and bringing that mindfulness, it's, I couldn't even um, be willing to, to look at it as mindfulness. Um, there was more of a blame and um, um, pointing, pointing the finger. So that mindfulness for me has really evolved into that it's not ever about the other person. It's always about me being right here, right now, without the judgment. I want to talk about discipline, Kara. Do you have a challenge staying disciplined with your daily mindfulness practice? And if so, could you share with Mindful Tribe how you maintain your mindfulness? Sure. Yeah, I um, I look at it as having um, an ever assortment of tricks in my trick bag. So it's all the different ways that I can... <laughs> uh, trick the other part of myself into engaging. So I do Tai Chi and I actually go to a studio to work with a group of people to do Tai Chi. And then at home in my own practice, um, if I can't find myself to engage in my mindfulness doing Tai Chi for a particular day, usually what will work is that I have also a um, mindfulness practice through writing. And that's the one practice that I very rarely allow myself an escape route. So I sit down on the page and and write every day. Um, Usually after that, if I can't do my Tai Chi session before, then usually I can do my Tai Chi session after. If I still can't do the Tai Chi and I'm a little bit squirmy, I'll I'll do um, some really silly tricks like doing jumping jacks or skipping that physical engagement in the body really shifts things. And then the last mindfulness practice that um, I've been playing with in the last year, which has been really amazing, is working with Louise Hayes' mirror affirmations. So I'll go in front of a mirror and I'll work from a list of personal affirmations. And to do that, that work is really challenging and really rewarding. So I noticed in all of that, you didn't mention meditation. Is meditation part of your mindfulness? It is. Um, the writing for me is a, a meditation to work with. So before I start my writing practice, I'll do breath work. And then I'll check in periodically throughout the writing session to see, is that deep breath flow happening? And if it doesn't, then I'll just back up for a minute, do my breath count work, which is one or two minutes. And then that gets it back going and I'll continue on with the writing. So do you write every single day then? I do. Oh, excellent. So if you have a day that just kind of went off your schedule and then you get to like nighttime and you haven't written, you just absolutely force yourself to sit down and do the writing. Is that right? Yeah, I try not to let it go that. Uh, yeah, it's the, it's the word f- force that... Mm-hmm. Um, I've used that a lot on myself, and the older I get, the more it doesn't work. So um, usually in the the morning time, always in the morning time, is that I have a couple different windows of which I can um, do the writing. Um, I try not to let it get to night because it just it's a different energy at night 
there's different things that are going on and I find that I can't access that place where I can access it much easier in the morning. So I just make sure not to miss that window. Sure. So it sounds like you're basically saying you have a morning routine and you just do it. You just allow it. You don't force it. You don't try to make sure you do those things with a tense kind of a mindset. You just allow it to happen and that morning routine happens. Am I right? Yeah. And this is, you know, this is a, this has been a, a, a 20 year process of unfolding. So I think now I'm just really realizing the fruits of a, a daily practice that's been an attempt for 20 years. <laughs> Very interesting. You know, I think when I was earlier and I some of my favorite writers that I admired, I would feel so despondent when I couldn't maintain that daily practice. And now being on where I am at now, I just see how much it is a practice of, of daily love. And that just has opened up more now. Yeah. Right. Some tell me that mindfulness helps them get in touch with their passions. And it sounds like that's happened with your chocolate. But what were some of your passions as a child? Can you take us back to childhood and tell us about your passions then? Oh, yeah. Um, So I grew up near the Canadian border, right below B.C., um, up in northern Washington, and um, it was very wild where, where we lived. Every day it was me and my siblings, and um, we lived out in the country and running through the woods. <laughs> um, yeah, it was definitely playing out in nature um, in any form and fashion. Lots of hiking, and that continued on through my high school years and in my 20s, a lot of backpacking. Um, Always nature, always back to nature. Kara, I've worked in bullying prevention for some time, and I just want to ask you if you have a story that has something to do with bullying, either yourself or someone you know, and maybe mindfulness did play a role or maybe it could have. Do you have a story like that you can share? I do. I have two of them. One of them is about my younger brother who has some learning disabilities and a bit of a bit of some brain damage and so he was bullied quite a lot um as a kid and i remember one time seeing one of my classmates after school um making fun of him and along with some other groups and i had considered her a friend and i remember feeling so shocked and so stunned and such shame because in that moment I didn't do anything about that other than just grabbing my brother's hand and we left. But a part of me, you know, really wanted to say, stop, don't do that. And that's always haunted me, that inaction in that moment. Um, How mindfulness has helped me later, though, is that when I feel that shock or that inaction or a sense of bullying sometimes that I have noticed I can do to myself, like you're not doing enough, you're not enough, or you you should know this by now, all those thoughts and or belief systems that, that arise, it's being present with that and looking at that 
And somehow with mindfulness, there's a love and a compassion that rises so that you can step out of that world and say, you know what, that's not a, that's not a true statement. I'd like to rephrase that statement. And this is how I really feel. You are enough. You are loved. Um, there's nothing better than being right here, right now. That mindfulness is really powerful to, um, has helped me over the years to bring immediate action in the right here, right now. Kara, you described, you described your feelings as the inaction in that moment. Do you also describe that as guilt? Sure. Guilt is a feeling that can, um, definitely cause that inaction in the moment. It's not the only feeling, um, but um, I think below guilt, the real truth is um, there's a, a belief system that still rises um, that me, you, we have an inherent brilliant worth and value. No matter what we do or no matter what we don't do. That's the real truth. That's the only truth. And by aligning with that truth, um, it's much easier to, um, the guilt more evaporates much more rapidly once I can key into that truth. Right. I'm glad you described that. One of my other guests talked about a bullying situation that he felt so guilty because he hadn't spoken up and the other person ended up committing suicide and he fell into a huge depression as a result of it. And what you're describing is amazing because it's using mindfulness to maintain your sense of worth. And that's really a valuable part of mindfulness, isn't it? Oh, it's so valuable because it goes back to um, as long as we hold a belief system that we're not of very little worth or we're only of worth if we um, are, are, are a certain level of success or we achieve certain things, boy, that bar will forever raise. You'll never reach that bar. But if you're inherently worth something beautiful and priceless, that mindfulness then turns into a practice of your light for another person to discover that for themselves and encouragement for another person. Back to earlier what I said were hurt people, hurt people. When you start being mindful and not hurting yourself, that in turn helps so many other people to start loving themselves more as well. Yes, yes. And I'm so intrigued going back to your chocolate how the different spices are connected to the different emotions. And, you know, can I tell you a little bit more? <laughs> absolutely. That's what I was just going to say. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Tell Mindful Tribe a bit more about those emotions and those spices and how that works. It's so neat because in Western medicine, we are taught that our brain holds our intelligence. What I love about Eastern medicine is that they have another half of the equation that we don't have in the West, or we're certainly not told in the West, which is all of our organs houses intelligences, and they're each a master of different emotional intelligences. So while the brain is for logic, 
the heart is the master and regulates happiness and sadness. Its food is bitterness. The lungs' food is spiciness, and they regulate joy and grief. The liver um, regulates anger and justice, and its food is sour. The kidneys regulate or keep in balance these two emotions of fear and willpower. So how they all work together is when you feel a feeling, and if it doesn't get processed and you stuff it, the feeling that is the, uh, the organ that's responsible for that feeling of regulating that, it gets stuffed in the memory of the cells. And as we know, the older that we get, <laughs> um, the more um, that memory can really be re reactivated in the organ as it's trying to efficiently do its job. So the organ really is doing two things simultaneously. It's helping us with uh, getting the nutrition that we need, getting rid of the waste that we need. And part of that nutrition is an emotional balance and healing, and part of that nutrition is uh, letting go of things that we're done with. Part of that letting go of the things that we're done with is with the emotions. If we're feeling it, let's feel it completely right here, right now. By not holding on to something that hurts us, that, that's where that mindfulness can really help because you can be present, feel it all the way through, the organ can process how it needs to process, but because you were, if you were scared and tried to push it away, that last little piece that doesn't get resolved gets stored. And then we have to end up dealing with it later. That is really, really interesting. And I haven't heard anybody describe describe it before with the word stuffed in the memory of the cells. It's almost like that memory is adhering itself to the cells. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. And when you think about the cell duplication, um, our cells are duplicating in fresh new cells all the time, but they can only duplicate what they had in them before. So when you do the healing, that new cell duplication, and science on the West has showed this, that new duplication um, is totally clean and, and free, and it has a really healthy cell vibrancy. You know, I'll, I'll maybe jump up and give you a different example, because I think this might be easier for your audience. Okay. When in the brain, let's go to the cells up there, when you've had a, a deep emotional trauma or some type of um, uh, event in your life that really affected you uh, deeply, there's damage that happens up there that severs the, the connections between the left and the right hemisphere. So every time you, you, you feel it, 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 it gets triggered right there and you re-experience that trauma or that bad feeling. What they now show is that if you can, every time you remember that memory or that feeling, in that moment, if you can be mindfulness to it, that mindfulness will help bring that back, that connection between the left and the right hemisphere in that damaged area. If, however, it's so intense and you're not able to be mindful yet, and you can immediately give yourself a different emotion to feel. So what they do with, for example, vets in um, coming back from the war, 
they can't be, they're practicing their mindfulness and it's really hard for them to be present when they get triggered. So immediately a therapist will take them and have them skip around the room or have them do jumping jacks. A stimulation that suddenly makes a connection in a different part of their brain so that they have a way to interrupt the old pattern and replace it with a new pattern. Once that new pattern is repeated, those cells that reduplicate, they're reduplicating something uh, balanced and healthy. So in all of your organs, this same thing is happens. If you can create a new way to feel it, those cells will start duplicating that new way instead of the old way. Okay, so that's why Tony Robbins does what he does and he gets everybody up and moving and and doing all kinds of like really really vibrant movements does that make sense oh yeah and i used to think that was so silly or and i myself do that now and i wasn't taught by tony robbins but through some of the neurologists that that i've worked with and i'm a real fan of their work that's really powerful stuff um in fact almost every morning my husband have our hilarious little uh routine of uh, doing jumping jacks or we'll skip around the room and then we'll do our affirmations and shout them out the way little kids do in preschool just make it the sillier we can make it the more ridiculous we can make it the funner it is and do you attribute a lot of your success with oma chocolate to some of these techniques that you use i really do because i don't know why It was the one thing um, in my life, you know, to give you a little bit more of a background, um, I experienced during that senior year of college, for the first time in my life, a terrible writer's block. I can now look back and tell you that was a terrible sense of self-criticism and that intense scrutiny and and criticism of perfectionism is what kind of created that writer's block. By... Working with chocolate and working with my friend who encouraged me to do this, he was also an acupuncturist. He was the one that showed me gently practicing mindfulness brings back in the love, it brings back in the compassion, it brings back in the joy and happiness. And I, there's no other pathway that was open to me except for that pathway of, of chocolate. I, I don't know why. I mean, I never... Uh, I never, ever dreamed of being a, a chocolatier, <laughs> but uh, the universe is very funny that way. What it, it brings you what you need, what you need. Kara, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? Wayne Dyer. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Oh, well, I just feel so much more positive emotions in my everyday life than I do negative. And if I do experience negative emotions, it feels more balanced and there's much more of a loving grace in which to welcome them in and let them be as well. Tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness practice, Kara. Well... <laughs> Every day, my breath or my holding back breath is a real immediate indicator of how to um, slow things down, be more mindful, and re-engage the moment in a more relaxed way. 
If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would it be? It would be by the poet, poet Olav Haj. I'll say that one more time. Olav Haj, The Dreams We Carry. And then the second book would be Louise Hay, You Can Heal Your Life. Can you share an app which helps you be more mindful? My timer on my phone. I'll set it for five or ten minutes, and then I'll do one thing that brings me joy in my mindfulness practice. What advice would you give a person who is brand new to the idea of mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? I would say ask yourself the question, what brings you joy? What brings you happiness? doesn't matter what you love. Take that one thing that you love so much and practice it every day. Be with it every day. Kara, it has been such a pleasure to spend this time with you today. And I'm wondering, how can Mindful Tribe contact you? You can get a hold of me at Kara, K-A-R-A, Stricker, S-T-R-I-C-K-E-R, at OMA, O-M-A, Chocolate. Also, I have a wonderful newsletter, um, and I'd be happy to get you involved with that. And um, you can follow OMA on Facebook and Instagram. And lastly, omaomachocolate.com is my website. Kara, it has really been eye-opening to talk with you about mindfulness and your journey in life and how you've arrived as a chocolatier. This is absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me and for doing this. We just need more and more of this in the world. Uh, I really appreciate it. Yes, we do. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. In appreciation, I'll mention you at the top of an upcoming show. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.